Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. How are you guys doing out there today? Thank you for joining us. I am pumped. For the next two days, we're going to do a two-part message on Hagar. Hagar is our woman of the next two days. And so I want to end your car, just in your car right now. Um, I'm going to tell you the title of my message. It's going to be amazing. I want you to just say it out loud after I do. Hagar, hey! Okay, now your turn. I want you to say it out loud. Say, hey, God, hey. You know how we say, I feel like if I explain it, it's not really that funny. Uh, but but uh, hey, God, hey is the name of this message. Kind of like you're like, hey, girl, hey. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, it's going to be a powerful message. Uh, I'm telling you, this content, the Lord just really encouraged my heart with. And I actually spoke at one of our society groups and um, a couple of weeks ago, and they, they heard this message. And it was really, really powerful. So we are going to learn about Hagar the next two days and um, what happens when you produce a Hagar. You know, Hagar was a problem that was produced because Sarah wanted to get to God's promise sooner. What do you do when you want to help God and you create a problem, which is Hagar? Um, We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that tomorrow in our podcast. If you're listening via podcast, um, this is going to be two separate podcasts, which we will put the other one up tomorrow. Make sure you listen to the entire thing because I want you guys to get the totality of this message. Thank you for joining me today. You know, um, we love you guys. Uh, we love you so much out there. We There's so many things that you can get involved in with our ministry. People ask me all the time, um, you know, how can we get involved? Where are you speaking? You know, things like that. Um, we have a society group that meets in Dallas. We have these all across the country, but but in Dallas specifically once a month. If you want to know where I'm going to be, what we're doing, I invite you to go to our Facebook page. We have a lot of announcements. That's where ministry is done on my Facebook page, which is Autumn Miles. Um, and, you know, you can you can follow along and, and kind of see what we're doing. I also do these selfie videos every week. They're short, 10, well, <laughs> depends on how inspired I'm feeling. Uh, but they're anywhere from like seven to 10 minutes that really... Uh, God is really used, which I'm kind of shocked by, but God will use anything. He'll use a phone and a girl who loves them. Um, and so we, we put those up, but if in, in quotes every single day, you know, our, our whole ministry is about spiritually challenging the way you think, because we do believe that people need to be spiritually challenging. It's also about bold truth. We want you to hear not watered down truth. We want you to hear the bold truth of God's word and our world needs it so badly today. So badly do we need bold truth. I want to encourage you and your walk to receive bold truth. Don't be offended by it. And then to tell others the bold truth of God's word. And we also are about raw faith. 
Um, not saying that something is a step of faith that really isn't, okay? Something that you can control. We want you to step out in faith, not knowing how it's going to end, but knowing that there is a God that will finish what he starts in you. We need giants of the faith to step up and step out. So that is what our ministry is about. We are also listening, listener supported. Um, you know, we've, we've, I've kind of told everyone that, we need your support in order to stay on the air. We have huge plans for our ministry. Um, God has just, man, he's just been good to us. You know, he's just been good to us. Uh, thank you, Lord. Just just thank you, Lord, for being good to us. But we have great vision. I have great vision for where God is taking us. And uh, we need some willing people to step up and and give and help support us. You can support us at autumnmiles.com. Click the donate button. It's right there. Um, whatever you have, we're grateful for. Whatever you have. I joke around. If you have a million dollars, go ahead and give it. But you know what? I want whatever God lays on your heart to give us. We don't want anything other than what God lays on your heart to give us. I know my husband and I have stepped up and given, um, and we thought we were blessing the ministry or we thought we were blessing the church or we thought we were blessing the individual. And then God comes around and (laughs) blesses us because of our heart. So just know that, that God sees that. I want to get to Rahab. Hey, Gar. Hey is who we're going to be talking about today. What happens, what happens when you misstep? What happens when God has given you a promise, when he has given you something that, hey, he says, hey, Autumn Miles, hey, Cheryl, hey, um, Laura, hey, what uh, Jessica, whatever your name is, he says, hey, this is what I have for you. What happens when it takes longer than we want? What do we do? A lot of times, and, and, you know, sometimes we don't, and some of us are super faithful and super spiritual and we wait the entire time and we never try to tamper with God's plan. We just sort of wait it out until the promise comes into fruition. But sometimes the promise tarries and tarries and tarries and tarries. And we, in our own strength and in our own um, uh, minds, feel like we need to do something about it in order to get God to answer, to, to, in order to make the promise happen. And so we do things to help God. We do things um, to assist the promise of God as if God needs our help. Now, he doesn't, but sometimes Satan can get us to a point where we actually think that we are aiding God in his promise by adding something into the plan in order to help the promise happen sooner uh, than just waiting on God to do it. That's what we're going to talk about today. Sarah and Abraham did it. They created a Hagar. And as I said at the beginning of the show, you know, I want to just very plainly um, uh, define what a Hagar is. A Hagar is something that we have created out of our own impatience to try to help God with his promise or achieve the promise earlier than God's timing. It's when we try to control the move of God By inserting our small-mindedness into a situation. I'm going to read that again for y'all. 
A Hagar is something that we've created out of our impatience to try to help God with his promise or to achieve the promise earlier than God's perfect timing. It's when we try to control the move of God by inserting our small mindedness into the situation. When you try to control, when you try to move in, when you try to help God, most of the time you will create an issue because when we try to control and manipulate ourselves into a situation, um, not thinking that God doesn't need our help, we sort of pridefully step in um, and make things happen and we create a problem for ourselves. I I just want to kind of take you through the life of Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abraham was given a promise. Please stay with us tomorrow because I because tomorrow we're going to talk about what does God do with your Hagar's? What happens when you create a Hagar? What does God do with our, your Hagar's? Maybe you have a Hagar. Um, what is God going to do with it? What is he? How does how does this all work out in the end? I'm going to tell you tomorrow. Stay with us. There was a promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12, one through three. It says this, now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to a land, which I will show you. I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. The promise was given. Now, God did not say, hey, this is going to take a minute in order for it to happen. Okay, he didn't say that. He simply gave him a promise. And you can read all throughout scripture that it is impossible for God to lie. It says in Romans, um, God's, when God swore by um, by him. When God swore, he swore by himself because there was no one greater. When God says it, sweetheart, who is listening to this show, he's going to do it. But when he gives you the promise, it's going to be done according to his timing, his way, and not your timing and your way. After the promise is given, after God gives us a promise, Humans tend to interpret the promise and how the promise will come about, which is what I was talking about before. They want to help God. They want to assist him. It's almost like I I was uh, talking to several groups of young women in the last couple of months, and I've been using this point a lot. The promise alone is a gift. The very very fact that God gives us a promise or, or lets us know what he's going to do in our life, that alone is a gift. But it also awakens something inside of us that wasn't awakened before the promise happened. When God gave Abraham uh, the promise or when God gave me a promise to start a ministry, um, all of a sudden I had the knowledge that it was going to happen. So I, so I assumed that I also had the know-how in which to make it happen. Happen. When I, um, when in 2003, when God said, Hey, Autumn, I want you to start a women's ministry. I remember sitting, um, sitting there thinking, okay, this is not going to happen. Like I just, I'm, I'm divorced. Um, 
I have absolutely no connections. I have absolutely no money. But here, God, you have just let me in on a promise. You want me to start a women's ministry that's, that, that is a conference ministry that starts with conferences, which is exactly what we did. But in 2003, I had no idea that it was going to take until 2010 in order for it to happen. He actually told me in 2000 I was going to be ministering to women. Um, But in 2003, he got very specific. And from 2003 to 2010, I, I felt like, okay, God, I have this promise. Now I need to help you out with it. Now, I'm not saying don't be available. I'm not saying don't step into opportunity. What I'm saying is that you don't need to manipulate human hands in order to receive what God has already set aside for you as an inheritance. I remember waiting and um, praying And just saying, you know, Lord, it's 2004. Where's it at? It's 2005. Where's it at? It's 2006. Where's my promise? In 2007, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. In 2008, I started preparing um, a women's conference. So funny now that I look back on this, but I started preparing a women's conference, had the name of it, knew what I was going to do. We actually had one um one conference and it went really, really great. Um, 2009, I was planning for something bigger because the first one went so well. I was thinking, wow, this is exactly what I'm going to be doing. This is exactly what I need to be doing. And, um, in 2009, I'd had the venue picked out. I had everything picked out. I, I had the name we were, we, you know, we, we were there, we were about to pull off this conference. And one day about midday, my husband knocks on our door. He knocks on our door, which is weird because they lived in our house. Um, and he looked at me and all, all of my plans were wrapped up in this church that my husband had been a pastor of. And I've been teaming and scheming and planning with the other church leaders. And he came and he knocked on the door and, um, he said, I got laid off. I'm like, what? You know, and try to console him as a wife. But then also in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what about the conference that I've been planning? What about what's going on? Like, you know, God, is your promise? Does your promise still stand? I, I had started to create a Hagar, which would have turned out as a problem if God would have let it continue. Eddie came in, he said, I'm... um." I got laid off from the church and it was within months that God directed us to Dallas, that God directed my husband. He was a pastor at first Baptist Dallas, downtown, incredible church. And he, we, you know, we, we, we went and I was like, man, this, this church is amazing. It's iconic. God has done so many amazing things through this church. And, but I remember thinking, I gotta, I've, I've got to follow what God is asking of me. And after meeting with the leadership of the church, you know, they gave us a green light um, to come and to start the ministry there. You know, God honored his word, but I felt like for a while I needed to help him out. God does not need my help. He did not need my help. And here we hear, we see Abraham um, with this incredible promise. And after time passed, Abraham started to question as well. If you go to um, Genesis 15, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, 
reinstating his promise. Don't fear Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Abraham says, says this, you know, the first time he was happy to receive the promise when God reinstated the promise in Genesis 15, listen to his response there. Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Verse 3, 15, 3 says this, and Abraham said, since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house is an heir. I want to just stop here for a second. It's so interesting. In Genesis 12, he was willing to take the promise. No questions asked. Thank you, Lord, for the promise. My um, my promise is coming. I know that you're faithful. I'll receive it. But then after some time passed, all of a sudden you can see how Satan started working on Abraham. Well, what are you going to give me, Lord? You saying this, basically what he's saying in this passage. Um, oh, Lord, what will you give me? I'm childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, since you have given me no offspring, he's questioning the Lord. You said you're going to bless my offspring. All the nations are going to be blessed. Well, where is my offspring, Lord? Where is it? You can see almost the impatient impatience welling up. And so he offers Eleazar, um, which, which actually he had adopted as a child. Then behold, the word of the Lord, verse four says this, came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one whom will come forth from your own body shall be your heir. Here we see Abraham, a misstep. I'm here to tell you today, and I'm going to tell you tomorrow too, your missteps. Do not cancel out God's steps. His grace is bigger. Your missteps. Do not cancel out God's steps because his grace is bigger. Someone needs to know that your missteps do not cancel out God's steps for God is greater. You see, Abraham had been given the promise. And then here in Genesis 15, we look down and he has already patched up uh, the fulfillment of a promise through someone that is not even his offspring. He had figured it out without God. He had tried to make it happen without God. And God has to come in to Abraham and say, oh, no, 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 no. This is the way you have planned it. This is not the way I have ordained it. This is the way that you think it's going to happen. This is not the way that I am going to bless you. And he checks Abraham right there. This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. Now we see that in Genesis 15. Abraham is the question. Lord, you didn't give me any kids. How often um, do we get the gift of a promise? And then we get, we kind of get a bad attitude a little bit. And we start blaming God. You didn't give me any kids, God. So I have to figure this out on my own. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to figure out his plan for you. He created you with his plan in mind for you. He created you with his plan in mind for you. You are to fill God's plan. He is going to fulfill the plan for you. So here we go. So that was Genesis 15. We see Abraham's misstep. In Genesis 16, guess who has a misstep herself? Sarah. No doubt, of course, husband and wife. I tell my husband everything. 
um, they had had a conversation, probably many of them talking about the promise that God had given Abraham. So Eliezer didn't work out. Now we look to a different way that Sarah could actually make this plan happen. We see in Genesis 16, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. Time, again, time. Time had passed. Even though God had reiterated the promise, time had still passed and doubt has crept in. And there has been a need to manipulate to get the promise of God. And this is Sarah's misstep. We just heard about Abraham. This is Sarah's. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar, which is where our title comes from. Hagar, hey. So Sarah said to Abraham, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. I want to just, it's just very interesting how both of them blame the Lord for um, something that he hadn't done yet. He was going to do it, but both of them had their weak moments. We think that if we have a weak moment, we automatically... um, we automatically make God mad, and we certainly can do that, but we think that we are not allowed to have a weak moment. Here we have Sarah saying, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. And just the chapter before, Abraham is saying to God, um, since you have given me no offspring, they're both looking at God. They're both talking to each other about how's this going to happen? How's it, how's it going to take place? You tried Eleazar. He's not going to work. I got a greater idea. Sarah said, God specifically said, it's got to come through your body. So this is what I want you to do because I'm going to make the fulfillment of God's promise happen. I'm going to make sure that this promise actually takes place. You see how much pride was wrapped up in Sarah's decision and Abraham's decision to take things into their own hands. There was so much pride in saying, I'm going to figure this out by myself. A promise of God cannot be figured out by a human mindset. But here she goes. So Sarah said to Abraham, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. I sit thinking so many things. I'm going to go off on a tiny little tangent. Girls, women, wives. Your husband listens to you. I think in my own life, you know, my husband and I are are responsible for so many different things. And, um, you know, he'll, of course, get advice from, you know, trusted, trusted mentors that we have and people that we trust, godly people. But at the end of the day, he, in a, in, a, in a husband and wife moment, he comes to me and says, what do you think I should do? It's in those moments that I feel the weight of the responsibility of being that helpmate, that helpmate to my husband. It's in those moments that are tender. It's in those moments that my husband safely trust me is what Proverbs 31 says. It's in those moments that I know that what I say is going to affect him greatly. I can bring life. I can bring um, insight. 
I can bring the wisdom of God. I can bring incredible good to a situation. Or I can look at him in the same breath and I can bring death. I can bring discouragement. I can bring, I can literally lead him astray in those tender moments. And wife, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hagar was not God's option for Abraham and Sarah. But Sarah had Abraham's ear. And she chose in that moment to put something wife approved into his ear that she thought would be good for them. Wife, I just want you to pause for a minute and and ask yourself, do I tear my husband down in that tender moment when he comes to me and asks for my counsel? Do I tear my husband down when he's struggling? Do I lead him off of the path of the promise? Or do I lead him to our God? And we're going to end it right there today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about what does God do with our Hagars? Once we've created them, what happens next? Are we out of luck? Does God just say, have a nice day? No, he doesn't. I want you to join me tomorrow for part two of Hagar. Hey, and I want to say thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Um, Keep in touch with us on social media and we'll see you tomorrow for part two. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.